Good morning. I was considering what to share, and the Lord reminded me of a time a little while ago when I was driving to work. And I don't know about you, but when I drive to work, I'm usually thinking about all the things I have to do once I get there. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it can get a little overwhelming. And I was just, I was managing a, a pretty large project, and it was pretty intense, pretty complex, and I was beginning to get overwhelmed with all of the stuff that needed to happen. And being the one who's responsible for those things, sometimes you get a little pressure and there's a little doubt that comes in and you're like, is this really going to happen? Is this ever going to work? You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, a song came on the radio. Uh, Usually I have something playing in the background, usually to distract me from those thoughts. But (laughs) So something came on the radio and it was a song called Joy. And it was a song about joy. And one of the verses really stuck out to me. It was, uh, I'll cast my cares won't sink into despair. I won't find answers there, only doubt. And I was like, oh, that's a very encouraging word. He goes, cast my cares, don't sink into despair, because there's no answers there, only doubt. And that's really what the enemy tries to do, and he tries to weigh on your thoughts. He tries to get you to think on your despair or your circumstances or your surroundings. And then that's where doubt creeps in when you start thinking, well, is is God really in control? Am I ever going to make it through this? Is this anything? And so those are the answers. Oh, those are the questions that the enemy wants you to to be asking. Is this really ever going to work? And so he he then talks about joy down in his soul, which he takes everywhere he goes. Not going to worry about what I don't know. I'll be all right as long as I have joy. And I heard these lyrics going over, and it just reminded me of Paul's exhortation to rejoice always. Rejoice always. And so I started considering the topic of joy and and what it says in the Bible about joy and rejoicing. And so we're going to look briefly this morning. We're not going to go too in-depth, but we are going to look at some Old Testament Uh, exhortations to rejoice and joy and some new testament as well and how we can apply these to our own lives because you know if it's in the bible obviously we should be following it this is our instruction manual for life right and there's a lot of different expressions or exhortations to rejoice in the bible and you don't even really have to look that hard just to a search there's there's plenty um one thing i found interesting was there of all the English isn't a very expressive language, I don't think. Uh, Hebrew and Greek are a little bit more expressive in terms of how they describe joy. And uh, the basic common root in the Hebrew word is, is, is kind of an inner emotion or a state of well-being that kind of flows out through joy and rejoicing. Um, the Old Testament focuses more on expressions of joy versus the actual emotion of joy, where I think the New Testament is more about the joy of the Lord, that emotion that comes out of it. Um, in one verse I thought was very interesting, if you look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 and also verse 17. <clears throat> Zephaniah three fourteen and also 17. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. 
He will exalt over you with loud singing. And in those two verses in the Hebrew language, there are eight different words for joy or rejoicing. So we're talking about uh, singing, shouting. The Lord is going to rejoice over you with gladness. All those are different root or expressions of words of, of rejoicing or joy in, the, in just these two verses. And so in the Old Testament, joy has basically three different kind of interpretations or expressions. There's personal joy, there's a national joy, and there's also a joy referring to the Messiah. So personal joy in the Old Testament was uh, looking at Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 8. Let's turn there real quick. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 8 is an expression of joy related to our age. So Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, all that come is vanity. So he says here, if a man lives many years, a man, young or old, and I would say humans, mankind, this isn't just a gender-related thing, it's, if you re- live many years and rejoice in them all, remember those days. Remember those days. Take joy in our years, however many we've had. So, um, you know, as as everybody gets older, we're always thinking about the days of our youth, which is common. But it's not a. It shouldn't be, according to Scripture, uh, a time of regret where it's like, oh, I wish I was 25 again. I wish I had that metabolism when I, when I was younger and I wouldn't have this jelly belly or something. But it's to look back with an expression of joy of look at all that has gone on in my life. Look at the circumstances and situations that have brought me here and how the Lord has met me and how the Lord is transforming. And hopefully we look back on our 20s and say, I'm a much different person, much better off than I was than I then. I am now than I am then. And it's because the Lord has been with us. And so we look back at our days, however long we've been on the earth, and hopefully everyone, no matter how old you are, can look back and say, the Lord's met me, and I'm different now than I was then. I may be a little grayer, I may be a little saggier in the belly region, but it's not a regretful thing, it's a rejoicing thing. And if we're living according to his laws and his purposes, it is a time to rejoice and say, thank the Lord. Whereas Solomon, he's looking back and saying, oh man, what a waste. All is vanity, all is vanity, right? Because he did not walk through and walk out what the Lord's laws and commandments were. Another time is uh, to rejoice, Proverbs 5.18, rejoice in the wife of your youth. What a privilege to rejoice that you have the right spouse. You made the right choice. I've talked to several people who have not made the right choice, and their lives are miserable, man. Their lives are miserable because they've made the wrong choice in their spouse, and that's led to conflict and all kinds of problems and multiple spouses or whatever. Um, but making the right choice and being able to rejoice and say, man, I thank God I made the right choice. Um, it doesn't mean the life is a walk in the park, right? Uh, I'm talking to people who we've all been 10 or more years married, some longer, some less. But um, it doesn't mean it's always easy. 
But we can always look back and say, I made the right choice. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Rejoicing in his fellowship, re- rejoicing in his forgiveness, rejoicing in his in his uh, restoration. So these are all personal expressions of how the Lord has met us and how we can rejoice in him. Uh, Proverbs 23, 24 says, A wise son makes his parents glad. So being rejoicing in our children and, and that they're doing well and rejoicing in the steps that they're taking to to also go on and to meet with him. So there's many personal expressions of joy in the Old Testament and then also national or cultic joy where they rejoice in a military victory. They rejoice on feast days. They rejoice at coronations of new kings and dedicating new buildings and so forth. There's always the congregation getting together as a whole and rejoicing in what the Lord has done for them. So all of this is, of course, rooted in what God has done for us and remembering what God has has done for them. So it's whether it's a personal experience or a national or corporate experience, it's always remembering that it's rooted in what God has done for us, rooted in and founded in God's love and God's forgiveness or God's restoration, God's provision for a new building or what, or whatever it might be. But it's coming out of expressing our gratefulness to what God has done for us. As God blessed his people in the Old Testament, there was joy. It comes out of, again, what he did for him. Now, there's also a messianic joy. There are many psalm or many books in the old testament that talk about the coming messiah and almost all of them are related to some sort of joyful looking forward to when the messiah will come and there's way too many verses to list them all your hands will get sore from writing them all down but uh isaiah 9 verse 3 would be a good example um Many books, uh, Isaiah is the principal one with the Messianic prophecies and so forth. Looking to the past, their exile, what the Lord had brought them through, through Babylon and so forth, and seeing how the Lord, would, the, the Messiah, would return to kind of bring them out of that captivity and the time of joy and rejoicing that they would have. Now, <clears throat> joy in the New Testament comes down to uh, several different aspects but the principle is the the spirit the fruit of the spirit which is joy so if you look in galatians chapter 5 we see the the fruits of the spirit listed the fruits of the spirit are the first one is love the second one is joy so the fruit of joy is second only to love and we know that that love is divine agape love which is about loving others as christ loves us but the fruit of joy is second when in line of the fruits of the spirit second only to love it's a state of bliss derived from communion and union with the lord where we are joyful regardless of circumstances the Lord is our joy. He is our delight. So there's a contrast between the Old Testament expression of joy based on personal experience, which is a good thing. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. But 
the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy, which comes from the Holy Spirit, is we rejoice regardless of what the Lord has done, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our state of mind or well-being. We rejoice anyway because He is our joy. So that's the difference between what we see in the Old and New Testament. So we're going to look at a little bit more on, on some of these New Testament or, or fruit of joy type experiences. Um, it's developed by passing through difficult times because you can only learn to rejoice in difficult times by what? Going through difficult times. If you want a miracle, sometimes you've got to be put in a pretty desperate spot. If you need to learn something about joy, most of the time you need to go through a time of despair so you can learn to rejoice in that situation. Now, true joy is 100% divine. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit that is developed in us. It's an attitude that is born out of, or it's a, yeah, it's an attitude that is born out of rejoicing, even in difficult situations. In Dr. Bailey's book, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. I believe it's in the Holy Spirit, uh, the Comforter book. He says, joy is the reality that God wants us to all to experience, and the way to joy is through rejoicing. Rejoicing is a state of mind, whereas joy is a state of being. So he explains it much better than I could. He says, joy is something he wants us to all experience. Joy is something that God wants for all of us. And the way to joy is through rejoicing. So rejoicing is a state of mind. I'm going to rejoice. I choose to rejoice. And then joy comes out of that as a state of being, a state of living, a state of who we are. Joy is founded in from the Lord, and he, he get, we, we develop it in multiple different ways. So, uh, first of all, Ecclesiastes 2.26, God gives to a man that is good in his sight wisdom, knowledge, and joy. He gives joy when we are good in his sight. So there's the qualification. As with everything, or most things, there's a qualification we have to be good in his sight, which means being obedient to his commandments, of course. And we choose to rejoice in spite of outward circumstances. So then he gives us these gifts. It comes from him. Joy is also founded in righteousness. Psalm 45, verse 7 says, you love, Thou loves righteousness, hates wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of joy above your fellows are above your your peers because you love righteousness and hate wickedness. So rejoicing, joy, rejoicing is one, righteousness, and then of course loving righteousness and hating wickedness. When David sinned, he he lost the joy of the Lord for a period of time. In Psalm 32, he talks about going through a drought. A drought like the summer. Psalm 32 verse 4 is the verse. I don't know if I put it in there, honey. Sorry. Uh, he talks about going through a drought. And a drought of is a time of dryness. A time without water, if you will. But he's talking about getting back that joy that he once had. 
that it was lost because of his sin, because of his iniquity. And he cries out in Psalm 51, 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. So he had to cry out for the Lord to, to give it back, to restore it to him because he had lost it, because he, didn't, he wasn't righteous for a brief time. He made some errors and he needed to be made right. Joy is also founded in sorrow. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says he gives beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Again, to to have joy, we have to go through some difficult times. Psalm 30 verse 11 through 12 also says, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end, my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. That's the key, is giving thanks always and forever. Even in mourning, you will turn my mourning into dancing. Take off my sackcloth, which was what they were a mourning garment that they would put on. Take it off and, and gird me up with gladness. Now, when I was sitting in the car driving into work, uh, thinking about the terrible day that was ahead of me, I didn't really feel like rejoicing. And actually, I was like, I was this close to just call my boss and say, you know what? I feel sick today. I'm going to stay home. <laughs> um, I didn't feel like rejoicing at all. And then I heard that song, and I still didn't feel like rejoicing. But I said, you know what? I'm going to rejoice anyway. You know, it, it, we have a choice to rejoice. And that's really where the joy comes from. And then a joy started bubbling up out of me like a little well of joy. And I was happy. And uh, it wasn't just the emotion of happy. It was just this divine joy. And I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to going to work today. Uh, uh, which was uh, unexpected when I had started the day thinking, oh, this is going to be a terrible day. But then to rejoice and say, you know what? There's a lot of people in this world who don't have jobs. <laughs> There's a lot of people who would be happy to have to go to a job, and and um, and and you know we're, we're blessed with the job that the Lord provided. And just to remember that, and and rather than say, oh, it's going to be terrible, say, okay, well, Lord, you gave me this job, and I'm thankful. And uh, whether I, I appreciate what's going on at work or not, you gave me this job, and I'm going to be thankful and. Rejoice that I have a job, uh, which, you know, as in this day and age is not as easy as it sounds to have a job. So thankfully. Um, but let's look at Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, 17 through 18. It's kind of that a scriptural representation of what I was just talking about. Although the fig tree will not blossom, neither the fruit be on the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail. The fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there should be no herd in the stalls. This does not sound like a very rejoicing time. Henry, if you had no cattle on your farm, that would be a pretty rough day. Or if your cattle got sick and died, that would be worse probably. Um, would not feel like rejoicing. No, absolutely not. You'd be like, what is going on? How am I going to survive? And yet, in verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The fruit of joy, the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, does not come from surrounding circumstances. Does not come from 
personal. It comes from him above. And as we rejoice, he looks after us. So this joy is not of this world. When Jesus was leaving his disciples, getting ready to leave his disciples, he exhorted them that that they would have a spirit, the, the comforter would come, and they would they would uh, come to them after he had gone. But there, and, and this is in John fourteen, also John sixteen verse twenty. He says that their sorrow would turn to joy. I'm not female and I've never given birth, but giving birth is, I can only assume, a very traumatic time for for the body and the emotions and everything else. But as soon as the baby comes forth, you kind of forget all that, I'm assuming. <laughs> Please correct me if I'm wrong, mothers. <laughs> but you forget that for a time because you're like, look at this little baby and you're overcome with that joy of and love for the the son or daughter that's been brought forth. And just like the disciples were mourning that Jesus was gone, he says, your sorrow will be returned into joy, just like a mother forgets the the travail of birth and is now rejoicing in the in the time that in their child that they have. And then he would say that no one can take that joy from you. That's the great thing about the fruit of the Spirit, joy, the fruit, is that because it's divine and given by God and not controlled by external situations or external circumstances, no one can take it from you. It's a divine gift and it's not contingent upon anything external, so no one can take it from you. It's yours forever from the Lord. And he says you cannot lose it well you can lose it like david lost it so don't do that but no one can take it from you and that's a wonderful way to go through life with the spirit of joy overflowing within you no matter what happens at work or life or you know your neighbor our our good buddy merle always talks about the neighbors letting their dogs do the business all over the front yard and he goes that makes me so angry i'm like you're letting those little dogs take your joy from you. <laughs> you know, those little dogs taking your joy from you. Um, but, you know, nothing, if if our joy is rooted in our, the Holy Spirit and from the Lord, nothing can take it from us. And um, it's a characteristic of the kingdom of heaven, which is you know, joy, of course. Now, there is joy in affliction, as we've talked about many times, so we're not going to focus on it too much, but we do have to cover it a little bit. Weeping, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The joy while suffering is what most clearly distinguishes the Old Testament joy from the New Testament joy. Old Testament joy was about personal expressions of joy because God loves us and forgave us and so forth. But the joy in the New Testament, even in despair, even in suffering, is really what sets the fruit of the Spirit apart. It's rejoicing that we were able to suffer for the cause of Christ, which is what the disciples were doing. In Acts chapter 4, they were told, 
you will not share Jesus. And they say, well, you can do whatever you want to us. We're going to. And then they were beaten and so forth. And they left and were rejoicing because they were able to suffer for Christ. Now that's how you know you've got the real joy of the Lord. Because there's no other way that happens without the spirit of joy within you. Without the spirit of joy within you. And it's it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't believe. Because it's kind of paradoxical if you think about it. This grief, mourning, and so forth somehow is transformed into joy when we rejoice even though we don't feel like it. It's If you explain that to a, a person, they would be like, that doesn't make sense. And my answer is, no, it really doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it's what God's Word says. And it's also what happens when you, when you actually do it. Um, for me, it's, it's a challenge because if we're not careful, it's very easy to get caught up in our surroundings and our circumstances. It's what human beings do. That's what we do. You know, we wake up, we're like, okay, cut the grass, take out the trash, you know, this, that. And then we get focused on day-to-day activities, and we just forget sometimes. And then, you know, you get a flat tire, or this happens, or this happens. You're like, oh, man, what a bummer of a day. And you forget to rejoice. Forget to rejoice and say, you know what, I'm alive. I'm walking in God's ways. I'm doing what he's commanded me to do this tire is it's fleeting and we had a the ac guy come out to our house for a routine inspection and he tells us we need a new handle new air handler which is going to cost about thirty two hundred (laughs) dollars that'll ruin your day real quick won't it (laughs) and yeah it was a little bit uh difficult and we're like well lord i guess we got a new one now. We got a ten-year warranty, so I guess we'll, we'll be okay for another ten years. Uh, it's a it's a bummer. To and then if you, but thank the Lord, uh, He's with us and He watches over us and according to His purposes, He leads us and He guides us. So, joy is a expression of are rejoicing even in difficult times. Now, we're reminded multiple times to rejoice. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6, I believe, is 1, or 4, verse 4, excuse me. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Also, Philippians 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6, rejoice always. Rejoice not because things are going well, or not even because things are going bad. Just rejoice. Always. Period. That's one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. Rejoice always. Two words. And it's it's not because things are good or because things are bad. It's just what we do. It's our day-to-day life is rejoicing and giving thanks. Rejoicing because we have his word to guide us. Rejoicing because we have his presence with us. Rejoicing because he speaks to us. Rejoicing because his spirit is in us and dwelling in us. And all of those other things, the Old Testament expressions of joy, rejoice for all of those as well. But also, even when things are bad. That's really what it's all about. 
It should be our prominent characteristic of him. And just as we wrap up, thanking him even for what he's going to do, rejoicing in what's yet to come. When he brings his kingdom to this earth, he brings judgment when he needs to. He brings revival. He brings everything that we've been hoping for. We can rejoice for that now, too. Lord, you're going to do great things in this earth, and we're, and we're so, so thankful. So the fruit of the Spirit, joy, second only to love, which to me is a big, a big kind of flash like pay attention to this because if it's love, which we all know of, is uh, encompasses all of the commandments, is love, loving the Lord, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, and then joy. It's a pretty big deal to be able to rejoice and and to have that spirit of joy in us, regardless of what is going on. It comes through righteousness and hating wickedness it comes through rejoicing even in difficult times or in good times rejoicing always rejoicing always so i just want to leave that with you this morning hopefully it was an encouragement to say lord help me to rejoice and it's a choice it's in it rhymes it makes it so much easier right because it rhymes we have a choice to rejoice and you can choose to rejoice or not. That's the great thing. And that's why God is so great. He never forces anything on us. He's a, Pastor Bailey used to say he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. You have the choice. And you can say, all right, I'm going to be a cantankerous old whatever this morning, and I'm going to be in a bad mood, and I'm not going to rejoice. Or you can say, you know what, who cares? God is with me. And uh, that's all that really matters. So second only to love, joy. Joy and rejoicing. So trust this word was a blessing. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, which is, comforts us and brings these fruits of the Spirit to us. And we ask that you would anoint us all with the fruit of the Spirit of joy. All of your fruits of the Spirit, let them grow and, and produce in our lives much fruit. Love, of course, Lord, and joy being second. Let your fruit of joy grow and produce in, in, in us. And help us to remember that we have a choice to rejoice, that we have the everyday choice to rejoice in, all, in you always. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. ask that you would be with everyone here this morning and just bless them as we all go our separate ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. God bless you. Choose to rejoice. Go with the joy of the Lord. All right. Have a great week. Love, joy, peace is third. Yeah, peace is a big one. Love, joy. There's no peace, exactly. They kind of all build on each other, which is another good thing. Everything's rooted in love without love. Yeah, so anyway, I trust it was a blessing to all of you. Have a great day.